0: This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God. Okay, good evening, Um, and welcome to Kaleo. My name is Erin, my pronouns are she, her, and um, I'd like to begin tonight with a land acknowledgement. I think it's always important that we do that, to honor the Native people that existed here before us. I honor the first peoples of current day downtown Phoenix, the Thana Otham Nation. In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper, they were and are here. And we see you, we honor you, and we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where Creator settled your people. We bless you, we bless your elders, past, present, and emerging. Well, we are on the third Sunday of Lent tonight. And Lent is a 40 day season of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that begins on Ash Wednesday and ends at sundown on Holy Thursday. It's a period of preparation to celebrate the Lord's resurrection at Easter. Also, a quick pause can you just give it up for Alexis for guiding us tonight? You did great. She stepped in, did something new. And how cool is it that the entire service tonight is led by women? So that's pretty awesome. Thank you to Tina and Jay, too. That's worth saying, yes. But this evening, we find ourselves in the story of the nameless Samaritan woman at the well, which is only recorded in the book of John. This story is a revealing one, full of truths and powerful lessons. This story follows on the heels of the account of Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus as we discussed last week. In John 4, 5-42, we read about Jesus' conversation with a lone Samaritan woman who had come to get water from a well known as Jacob's Well, located about a half mile from the city of Sakar in Samaria. This was a unique and extraordinary woman. She was a Samaritan, a race of people that the Jews utterly despised as having no claim on their God, and she was an outcast and looked down upon by her own people. This is evidenced by the fact that she came alone to draw water from the community well when in biblical times drawing water and chatting at the well was a social high point in a woman's day. However, this woman was ostracized and marked as immoral, and unmarried woman, living openly with the six and a series of men. And Jesus initiates a conversation with this woman. She says, he says, will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food and the woman feels safe with Jesus because not only is he not from her village... He does not know anything about her failed life or even how depressed she may have felt for months. In her view, he was part of of a heretical, though related, religious community. Jesus would have had no contact with the Israelite Samaritan leaders of her community. So from her perspective, maybe Jesus felt safe to her. And this openness of the woman to Jesus is what sets the stage for what happens in their conversation. Jesus responds, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's talk about water for a moment, shall we? Dr. Gaffney reminds us that the word thirst has come to denote much more than a longing for water. It speaks of a deep craving, you might even say, a carnal craving. Thirst is a reminder that your life is fragile and neglecting your thirst can have dangerous, even lethal consequences. Satisfying your thirst will literally save your life. Thirst is as if it is an equalizer on the scale of death for all humans and all animals all forms of life that we know about thirst for something that will we all thirst for something that will sustain such life as we possess thirst is more lethal than hunger because a person can survive without food much longer than we can survive without liquids whether we realize it or not we are more water than any other substance. We came from the water. We were literally wombed in water, and we were water-born, be it one time or twice, born again. Our ancestral story in Genesis tells us that we were created from soil that was formed when the waters were commanded to assemble and allow the dry land to appear. Science tells us that all forms of life evolved from the waters of the sea. When we thirst, we literally crave that which we are fundamentally. So let's go back to the story from the perspective of an expert Israeli scholar, Dr. Liz Orkin Eisenberg. He reminds us that Jesus responds this way. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It is important that we picture the woman. She was not laughing, just in case you imagined that she was. She was not laughing. She was actually having an informed, deeply theological and spiritual discussion with Jesus. This was a daring attempt to accept truth that was outside her theoretical, her theological framework and surely would not pass the test of being a faithful Samaritan. And she takes issue with Jesus because what he says is different than what she believes in the Samaritan Torah. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, this interaction may strike a familiar chord for us believers who have experienced the life-giving power of Jesus' presence and spiritual renewal, But after this interaction, Jesus continues the conversation. He lets the nameless Samaritan woman know that he understands her troubles much more fully than she thinks. By showing her that he is aware of all the pain and suffering she has endured in her life. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is also not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. But let us consider an alternative interpretation that having seen Jesus' intimate knowledge of her miserable situation and his compassionate empathy, the woman feels secure enough to also break tradition and climb over the wall of forbidden associations. She makes a statement that invites Jesus' commentary on a matter having to do with the key theological differences between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus' care for her personhood and her humanity broke down walls of theological difference. I'll say that again. Jesus's care for her personhood and her humanity broke down walls of their theological differences. With fear and trepidation, the Samaritan woman, putting away her feeling of humiliation and bitterness towards the Jews, posed her question in the form of a statement. She got from Jesus something that she definitely did not expect to hear from a Judean prophet. For Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, for God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The official Samaritan religion, as far as we know, didn't actually include any prophetic writings. The Messiah as the king and the priest was an Israelite Jewish concept, not an Israelite Samaritan concept as the woman was. For that reason, the reply of the Samaritan woman shows that this was not an imaginary or symbolic conversation. And it seems that now the woman graciously used Jewish terminology to relate to Jesus, the Jew. For among Samaritans, it was also unusual to do so. For just as Jesus was choosing to climb the wall of taboos, and culture, so now was the Samaritan woman doing the same. And the story of this encounter gives us guidelines about how to deal with wounds and divisions, especially those long standing in our culture. In the Samaritan Periscope, Jesus is presented as a reconciler of ancient enemies. I'm not going to be long tonight. This might actually be the shortest message I've ever preached. But as I conclude and Tina and Jay come up to conclude us with a song in just a bit, I want to highlight again the things that Jesus demonstrates for us. He demonstrates several things for us in this passage. One, he demonstrates the importance of going to places you may be culturally uncomfortable He demonstrates the importance of being a safe space for people's lived experiences, whether that be abusive relationships or depression. And our Western perspective has taught us to hear this story, that she had five husbands and think that there was something wrong with her. But who's to say that there wasn't something wrong with the men that she was with? Or that maybe all five of them had tragically died in succession? Or maybe had left her for other women. Jesus is demonstrating how to know intimately the details of people's lives without shaming them. And he demonstrates that seeing each other's humanity is the invitation to open up and expand our theological framework. I think there is so much more in this story That we won't unpack tonight, but as we conclude this Lenten journey in John 4, we know that Jesus still sees us just like he saw the woman. Jesus sees us when other people think we deserve the negative state in our lives. Jesus sees us when we are ostracized and pushed away. Jesus sees us and welcomes our questioning. And because Jesus sees us, the stories we carry and share with others may cause them to open their eyes and see differently the world, the gospel, the good news, and the missional calling of Jesus. This Samaritan woman at the well has given us a new perspective. Let's have a moment of silence and ask Jesus, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to do about the things that we've heard tonight? Let's have a moment. Lord Jesus, as a community, we desire to practice your ways. Thank you for helping us see your ways and the way you talked to the woman at the well. The way you saw her when no one else would see her. The way you saw her story and her experiences when others wanted to shame her. the way that you invited her to feel safe with you, to create curiosity and expand her theological framework as she did with you. Lord Jesus, you are showing us how to be in the world, how to cross cultural boundaries that are set up by our society. And as a community, we desire to continue to practice your ways together. So as we sit at the table tonight and eat tacos and burritos and share stories of our lives and how we showed up in this space, would we remember and be reminded that like Jesus, we also choose to see one another, to hear the lived experiences and cultural differences of each other and without shame, and to be in the presence of one another that is safe. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for showing us the way of love and how to be a community of healing. Amen.
1: I imagine the, the Samaritan woman at the well might have, might have sang a song like this. Thought I lost me. You knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all my pieces, put me back together. You are the defender. my heart When I thought I lost me You knew where I left me You reintroduced me to your love Picked up all my pieces Put me back together are the of my
0: eyes. For more information about Kaleo, visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media at kaleophx